Good Risings. I'm Jackie. And I'm Brian. And this is Grateful Grains. Happy Monday and welcome back. We're spending this first week of October talking logic fails, and we're getting it started today with the slippery slope. This day and age, we're constantly subjected to all kinds of failures in logic. It comes in many forms for many reasons. To embolden baseless opinion flinging, to support entirely hypocritical stances, and as a common tool in the arsenal of all-or-nothing side-choosers. People tend to get away with these major lapses in judgment, known as logical fallacies, because frankly, not many people know they exist, or at least many don't realize that they've been defined and have legal standing. TED-Ed educator Elizabeth Cox explores some of the most common logical fallacies and provides examples of them throughout history. Today, we're taking a closer look at the slippery slope fallacy. Cox opens by providing the example of the Vietnam War. It's April 1954. The Vietnamese nationalists are on the verge of victory against French forces fighting for control of Vietnam. Their victory could lead to an independent Vietnam under communist leader Ho Chi Minh. The United States President, Dwight D. Eisenhower, is holding a press conference to comment on these developments. Eisenhower claims that by virtue of what he calls the falling domino principle, communist control of Vietnam would be the beginning of a disintegration that would be certain to cause incalculable loss. To insinuate that communist governance of Vietnam would inevitably lead to the global spread of authoritarian communist regimes is, to say the least, a big leap. Cox explains, it's as if we were to say you were once clothed and now you're in your underwear. So soon everyone in the world will be completely naked. This kind of argument where one step, let's call it A, kicks off a string of events that inevitably culminates in an extreme scenario happening, let's call it Z, is known as a slippery slope. Many such arguments focus on catastrophe, but the slope to an extreme positive outcome can be just as slippery. The trouble with this kind of argument is that in presenting Z as the inevitable outcome of A, it almost always overstates the likelihood that Z will happen if A happens. Cox goes on to explain the mathematic likelihood of such a chain of events. Let's assume for the sake of argument, taken individually, each step between A and Z is independent from the others. And let's also say that each link in the chain is very likely to happen. Let's say it's even 99% likely that each step from A to Z happens exactly as we thought. So the probability that A causes B, that B causes C, that C causes D, and so on, is each 99% likely. Even so, each additional step adds an opportunity to alter the outcome, and A is only 78% likely to lead to Z. Far from an inevitability. Further, if there's a 95% likelihood of each step, the chance that A leads to Z plummets to about 28%. If there's a 90% likelihood at each step, still very, very likely by most standards, the chance that A leads to Z is only 7%. And if 24 of the 25 steps between A and Z are 99% likely, and one is 50% likely, the chance that A leads to Z goes down from 78% to 39%. You can see why jumping to these kinds of conclusions, especially when using it to incite fear politically, is dangerous. 
Cox shifts attention back to the example of Vietnam, admitting of course there was reason to be concerned. Eisenhower was warily watching as powerful authoritarian communist regimes and the Soviet Union and China tried to spread their form of governance. Eisenhower feared that countries surrounding Vietnam would all soon fall under communist rule, that it would result in a loss of essential trade with these countries, that with no non-communist nations left to trade with, Japan would be pressured towards communism, and that this, in turn, would threaten Australia and New Zealand. His ultimate fear, of course, is that it would, in turn, threaten the United States. Was this a possibility? Sure. The problem is, it's nothing like dominoes. These complex real-world events are not, in fact, like dominoes, where when the first one falls, it becomes a certainty that the last will fall. For any one of these events, a number of possible outcomes could result, each affecting the other events in different ways. The possibilities are not a chain, they're a web. Fast forward, it's 1975, and after 20 years of conflict and several million lives lost, North Vietnamese forces have taken control of the capital of South Vietnam. The war is over, and all of Vietnam is under communist control. Communist regimes have come to power in neighboring Laos and Cambodia, where the regime will be responsible for the deaths of an estimated quarter of all Cambodians. So that first step Eisenhower was trying to avoid happened. But the end result he predicted did not, not by a long shot. As for the steps between, a few happened, but many did not. And now, decades afterward, humans, especially Americans, are still debating why events unfolded the way they did. Cox summarizes the trouble with slippery slope arguments is that they focus exclusively on extreme outcomes, assigning those outcomes a degree of certainty or inevitability that rarely corresponds to reality. They divert attention from other, more likely possibilities, foreclosing discussions that might be more productive. Slippery slope arguments can also be intentionally structured to take advantage of people's fears. Whatever someone's position on an issue, it's very easy to come up with an extreme outcome that suits their aims. And that's something we're witnessing on a daily basis in today's political atmosphere. Thanks so much for joining us on Grateful Grains. You can find us on Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin. And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. We'll be back again tomorrow for day two of our week, Logic Fail. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio.